0: Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Dave. If I had not had a chance to meet you before, I'm uh, so glad you're here. Well, during my years as a youth pastor, one of the best ways I found to help get students talking was to play a game that we're probably all familiar with, and the game is "Would You Rather." The premise of the game is simple. You just ask people if they'd rather do one thing or if they'd rather do another thing. So I thought we'd begin today by asking a few would-you-rather questions. So the first one uh, is rather straightforward. Would you rather go to the beach or would you rather go to the mountains? So this is not optional. You have to raise your hand on one or the other. So who would rather go to the beach? All right, who would rather go to the mountains? Well, if you said mountains, you're right. Now the second question might be a little more frustrating to you than the first. As many of you know, I was born near the city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. (laughs) And I was raised to have an unwavering, unwavering allegiance to a certain cadre of athletes known as the Steelers. Come on, you know I had to go there this morning. So let me ask you, would you rather cheer fiercely for my Steelers tonight? Or would you rather get a tattoo of my face? (laughs) Who'd rather cheer for the Steelers? Who'd rather get a tattoo of my face? Well, I'm quite flattered, thank you. So for our final question, we'll get a little bit more serious. Would you rather receive a million dollars or would you rather give away a million dollars? Would you rather be given a million dollars or would you rather give away a million? See, I think the heart of this question strikes as to whether we think getting will enable us to the more of what we want or if giving will enable us to have more. In other words, what will lead to the abundant, full, thriving life that we're all really striving after, receiving or giving? The passage of the Bible that I've probably quoted more than any other is John chapter 10, verse 10. And here Jesus says this, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. See, in this world, beyond what our eyes can see and what our senses can perceive, it's a spiritual battle for the state and the health, not only of our world, but for our very souls. And Jesus says that there is an enemy and he is coming to rob us of life. And he works subtly, inconspicuously, largely unnoticeable behind the scenes. And he is striving to separate us from the source and the way of life. And that source, of course, is God. But Jesus, on the other hand, has come that we might have the fullest life, life to the limit, life without lack. So we have to ask ourselves today, what is the path that Jesus has laid out for us that will lead to abundance? And then we have to also ask, if the pathway that Jesus reveals isn't the one that we might expect or the way that we would prefer, will we trust Jesus enough to actually follow him, to obey him? Will we believe that he not only desires for us to live abundantly, but will we believe that he actually is able to enable us to live abundantly, better than we ever could on our own? So today, we're gonna discover Jesus' plan and path to abundant living in contrast to our own. And then we'll explore some practical next steps that each of us can take individually and as a church to experience this kind of life without lack. So let's begin by examining the most common way most of us pursue life to the full. And we could call this path abundance by accumulating. Abundance by accumulating. Now most of us instinctively assume that the way to more, is to accumulate more. In other words, more life, more fulfillment, more peace, more of what we're really after comes from having more things or better versions of what we currently have. Now the most obvious way that we pursue this is by accumulating possessions. More and better homes, better properties, better vehicles, better looks, better social circles, better positions, better gear, even better tattoos, maybe face tattoos. But to speak here in very broad strokes or generalizations, from my vantage point as an early 30-something, seeking abundance by accumulating possessions seemed to be very characteristic of my parents' generation. They built big, new, beautiful homes in the suburbs, bought really large vehicles, and in spite of all the largeness of their living, many of us observed that they were still wanting more. They still wanted more. In spite of all of this, they started to have this realization that one of the saddest moments in life comes when you get everything that you think you wanted and you still feel as empty as ever. This is the reality of spiritual impoverishment and it exists everywhere around us. So in reaction to our parents' pursuit of more, Many around my age, kind of give or take, have pursued abundance by accumulating experiences. Accumulating experiences. Instead of spending our money on possessions, we pursued acquiring thrilling and interesting sort of experiences instead. We know just how empty possessions left our parents feeling, so we decided to try our resources to build a really interesting, fascinating life by doing intriguing things and going to places most people wouldn't ordinarily ever go. Now, in many ways, this strategy of accumulating experiences over possessions has been a preferable way to live. The greatest merit that experiences might have over possessions would probably be that they can transform our character in ways that possessions never can. Exposure to different places and people can broaden our perspectives and enable us to love the world better. Our experiences can bring us knowledge where we were once ignorant. Or how about sharing experiences with others? When we do that, it's a great way to be able to build stronger relationships. Perhaps taking a trip with our spouse might create the right context we need for our marriage to be renewed. Or going on an expedition together can create the kind of right context for uh, friendships to flourish and to last. Or experiencing new parts of creation can even be a great way for us to have more reason to praise the glory of God as we see it throughout nature. So there are some really important reasons to travel and try new things. But yet, for all its merit, accumulating experiences can leave us just as unfulfilled as accumulating possessions. Just as there's always someone out there with a nicer, larger, more beautiful home than ours, there's always somebody who's probably gone to more places than you have and done more interesting things than you'll ever do. So just as it's not always easy to find contentment with our possessions, so it can also be very difficult to find contentment no matter how cool our experience is. And just as greed can selfishly motivate us to accumulate possessions, so greed can just as easily motivate us to be accumulating experiences. Now don't hear me wrong, I in no way am suggesting that we never spend money on travel or gaining new experiences through some, trying some different things. What I am contending though is that we do not succumb to falling into the subtle belief that if we accumulate more, then we will have more. That we, if we accumulate more experiences, then we'll have more, we'll be more. So I believe one of the very inconspicuous ways that the enemy tries to steal from us, tries to rob us of life, is to lead us to believe that if we accumulate more of anything, then we in fact will have more. I write this, when we trust the way of accumulation to lead to abundance, we will accumulate abundant disappointment, or worse, maybe even addiction. So perhaps the best investment we can make in life should not be accumulating more possessions or even more experiences, but something else. And I believe that alternative way that leads to the path of abundance is the way of Jesus. And we can call this way abundance by emptying. Abundance by emptying. So in contrast to pursuing abundance by accumulating more, Jesus shows us a different way and it's highlighted beautifully in Philippians chapter two, which is known as the Christ hymn because of the lyrical way it describes what Jesus has done for you and for me. Let's read this here. Paul writes this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Paul begins by challenging us to take the same attitude or to choose the same approach to living that Jesus had. And what was his approach? Putting the interest of others ahead of his own. What did that way of Jesus do? What that lead for him to do? Well, it led him to give himself away. Christ first abandoned his exalted position in the heavenly realm by coming to earth, taking on human form. He abandoned this position so that he might empty himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross, out of his great love for us. The Greek word for this act of emptying is the word kinosis. kenosis. It can be best understood in this context to describe how Jesus poured himself out in total service for others. And the result of this attitude of humility, this abandonment of privilege, and this emptying of self was Jesus' exaltation to the highest place. His act of emptying is what enables the world to experience fullness. That's life with him. His abandonment leads to our abundance. Jesus gave so we could receive. Jesus poured out his life in death so that our dead lives could be filled and raised with life. God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him, trust in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. That's abundant life. That's what Jesus gave for, came to give for us. It's Jesus, his abandoning, emptying, giving, sacrificing and pouring out of his life that makes abundant life for us possible. His death, our salvation. But what if Jesus' act of emptying wasn't just so that we could be saved, but was the example for how we to, were to really live in our everyday lives? What if his example of self-abandonment was the way to God abundance? If so, wouldn't you rather give like Jesus gave rather than receive? Wouldn't you rather empty yourself out for the good of the world than accumulate more for yourself? My contention today is simply this. We live abundantly as we give abundantly. We live abundantly as we give abundantly. We don't live our lives abundantly when we try and fill our lives up by accumulating possessions and experiences. No, we live our lives abundantly as we pour them out abundantly. Let me try and illustrate. Today I've brought with me a completely full jar of water. If you look closely, this might be the clearest illustration you'll ever see or the most jarring one you've ever experienced (laughs) else. So what would happen if I try and put more water into this jar, what's gonna happen? It's gonna spill all over the place, right? It's gonna spill. Now, if I were, well, if I want to pour more in, what am I gonna have to do? I'm gonna have to pour some more out. The only way to more is to pour. I thought this was actually more profound, but everyone found it funny, so it's all right. But it's true. The only way to more is to pour. So you might be coming today, and you might feel like this full jar, like your life is filled up with blessings, because Christ is enough for you, as we sang. Or maybe you're here, and it feels like your jar is maybe half full or almost empty. The reality is, though, in Christ, no matter what life feels like for you right now, your jar is full If you follow Christ, your jar is full. Now, I often don't feel that way, so I have to remind myself of a really important text in the Bible that reminds me that when I look through the eyes of faith, that this is true, this promise is real for me. And it's from 2 Corinthians 1, 3. It says this, His divine power, God's power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Believe this promise, everyone. You have everything you need for a godly life, for abundant life in Christ. Do you believe that? So when we look at our lives from this human standpoint, though, it might feel like we're lacking. It might feel like we're empty. It feels like there might be things missing in our lives. But the reality is our lives are filled to the brim in Christ. And so then if we want to experience more, the only way for us to do that is to pour our lives out And to do that in the same cross-like, self-giving way that Jesus generously poured out his life for us, because as we empty ourselves out by giving generously, sharing the burdens of others, standing up for the oppressed, making ourselves vulnerable to suffering and hardship for the sake of those who are hurting, and we are willing to be rejected just like Christ was, we will draw into a closer relationship with him than ever before the way for us to experience more is to pour and as we pour out we'll experience the presence of christ more and more it's jesus act of emptying that when we model that same emptying that we feel the closest connection with him as we ever possibly could That's the abundant life is pouring out. But here's the reality. When we pour out our lives for Christ, he doesn't just fill us back up. He actually, instead, he gives us a bigger container. He gives us a bigger container so we can experience more abundance, that we can experience more joy, more peace, more hope in life. And not only that, but that we will have a bigger container that enables us to have a larger capacity to pour ourselves out to love and to bless the world. So as we pour out our lives, we experience God more and he gives us a bigger container. That's why as we live generously, and we can live generously by giving generously. I hope you're with me on this. So maybe now you're becoming more convinced that you'd rather spend your life giving rather than getting. So how might you be able to take some next steps toward this? How might we as a church, as a campus in particular at this time, live more abundantly by giving more abundantly. Well, all throughout our series and initiative here that we're calling Next, we have been challenging one another to find your go. Find your go. God's calling all of us to go, to go and make disciples, to serve the least, the last, and the lost. He's calling us to go every day in our lives in such a way that the spiritual landscape of greater Boston will be transformed. He's calling us to go. And now for some of us, That might involve actually doing something new or doing something differently than we're currently doing. Maybe we're supposed to serve in a new way or maybe take a big leap of faith and step out and risk. If that's what God's calling you to do, then don't wait around, get going. But I believe for many of us, our go might not to be something, to do something altogether new or to add something into our already full lives, but to do what we're already doing with a giving attitude, with a pouring out, emptying kind of approach. So let's explore how we can find our go by giving, where we're already going, at work, at home, and at our church. So let's first look at finding your go by giving at work. When most of us approach our work, whether it be at school or on the job, we go to get. We go to get an education, or we go to get a paycheck, or go to get a promotion, or get a raise. Or back where I'm from, they would say, we go to get her done. Our motivation is most often getting or accumulating. But instead of getting, what if we went instead to give? To give. One of the best descriptions of work that I've heard recently from God's vantage point is this that work is not about remuneration as much as work is about contribution. It's about contribution. In other words, work is not just about the paycheck you get. Work is about how you can make a difference by giving. Just imagine if you started showing up to your job, whatever that might be, to give and not just to get. Instead of working for self-fulfillment, what if you worked instead to empty yourself? Just like Jesus poured out himself for us through his work. Might you feel closer to God and your day-to-day life might your job feel more abundant? So this time tomorrow, how might you approach your work in such a way that you were showing up to give and not simply get? How could you pour yourself out to those who will be the recipients of your work? How could you pour yourself out for your coworkers? How could you pour yourself into the job itself, the work that God's called you to do? So we can first find our go as we give ourselves at work. Secondly, we can find our go as we give ourselves at home. Now, one of the big temptations I think a lot of us face in finding our go is to think our go has to be some big thing. But rarely will we go big unless we first go small. One of the great opportunities that our overall home life can afford for us are lots and lots of small little ways to give and to serve. Giving by making meals, giving by doing the dishes, giving by cleaning up without being asked to clean up. That's one for me. <laughs> giving by creatively thinking about how you might ease a burden or to help bring comfort to someone. How might you give by helping our neighbors? Your neighbors. Maybe it's shoveling snow. Hopefully, that's not the example to put into practice over the next couple of months, but it very well might be. How can you give? Maybe show hospitality to someone, invite them over for dinner. What's a small way you might give? One of my favorite quotes from Mother Teresa is this She says, No one can do great things, only small things with great love. Giving as how small things are done with great love. So perhaps one of the most radical ways we can just start to do this is by simply giving our full attention to those around us in our distraction-filled world. Can you imagine what a difference it could make to your parents or to your siblings or to your friends or to your children if you gave your full attention by consistently and uh, loving them at home by, by paying attention? That could be one of the best ways that you could begin to find your goal. Let me just speak to the parents here for just a moment. As a parent, one of your primary goals is to raise your children to love and follow Christ. That's an essential way that you can live missionally. We as the church are here to partner with you in that. We have some amazing next generation ministries of Kidstown and student ministry staff and volunteers who believe the go that God has given them is to help raise up the next generation to follow him. But they need your help in order to accomplish this mission. They need your presence at home, teaching them about faith and encouraging your kids uh, with your words and with your example. And they need, your kids need, the regular, consistent presence of the church to be pouring into them as well. So part of your go might be to make sure they get here each and every week as much as is possible. So as you think about your overall home life, your family, your neighbors, your friends, your leisure time, how might God be calling you to give and to pour out your life in maybe some seemingly small or even unnoticed ways? because God won't give you the big go unless you first go small. And lastly, we can find your go by giving at church. I believe nothing keeps us from finding our go in and through the local church more than the attitude of consumerism. And setting up, instead of showing up to church to give, a temptation facing many of us is to show up to get. We ask a question like this, what's in it for me? but we'll never find our way to abundance by asking that kind of question because the way to abundance is always by giving, not getting. So we need to make a radical shift. One way to make that shift is to commit to finding a place to serve. Oftentimes, your go might not be exactly what you want to do, but it's what actually needs to be done. Now, in a place this big, it's very tempting to think that there's really no jobs or any work to be done around here. But as your campus pastor, let me just kindly burst that bubble for you, okay? If you don't know your goal, we would love to help you find one. Remember Jesus' words that he said he did not come to be served, but to serve. And servants of Jesus are those who are willing to do whatever needs to be done. So maybe your goal is to do what needs to be done, even if you don't really prefer that. A second way that you can make a radical shift in finding your goal is as it pertains to your financial giving. We're talking about this so seriously here in our next initiative because being generous is so critical, absolutely essential to being a disciple of Christ. Giving abundantly is the key to living abundantly. And we can't talk about living abundantly without concentrating on our giving. So this series has been designed to help create a context for us to think about what next step we might take as givers, and we in no way, shape, or form want to communicate this as being something that's an obligation, but something that is an opportunity, This week, you should have received one of the next brochures in the mail, and if you didn't, you can stop by our info desk out in the lobby, and some folks there would love to give you one. And in there, we talk about this discipleship journey, which we call the generosity journey, and there's four phases to it. Let me quickly outline them. The first is new giving. Perhaps you've never given before. This is your opportunity then to get into the game and to contribute. The second phase is regular giving. The key to regular giving is setting aside your weekly or monthly gift to God's work before any other spending or saving. In other words, you're taking the next step toward regular giving by giving upfront rather than waiting to give after you see what's left. The third phase is proportionate giving. This is, the, this is developing the biblical practice of tithing by giving an increasing percentage of your income every year with the goal of reaching 10%. And the key to percentage giving isn't to just jump straight to 10%, but it's to take a step. Maybe you can give about 4% right now, and maybe that stretch for you is 4.5%, or maybe 4 to 5%. And then the last phase is abundant giving, abundant giving. And this is where we discover the joy of going beyond tithing and giving more than we ever imagined was possible And when we're generously giving portions of all that God has entrusted to us, our time, our talent, and our treasures, we experience this life without lack more and more. So when you look at these four stages of giving here on this generosity journey, what next step might you need to take? Next week, we'll have an opportunity in our services to declare what we intend to give in both 2017 and 2018 in a special offering moment toward the end of our services. And we so encourage you to be here for that next week. As part of it, we'll be uh, looking at what our go gift will be that Pastor Brian talked about last week. He indicated that we're hoping to raise $5 million above and beyond our general operating budget so that we might do some big things, build a new sanctuary in our Wilmington campus, refurbish and launch our Foxborough campus and make some improvements around all of our campuses in the areas of of, uh, our worship spaces and our youth ministry spaces. Now, specifically here in Lexington, I'm very excited to to tell you that part of this plan includes really working on our sound system and the overall sound experience that we have here at the church. That's gonna be a great improvement for us. And additionally, we're hoping to make some major renovations to our youth ministry spaces so our teenagers actually feel like there's a place for them in the church to belong. We want these spaces to not just be functional, but we want them to be beautiful and inspiring and life-giving. So if you'd like to find out any more about these sort of things, be sure to look over this brochure. And I encourage you this week to take some time to really pray through what next step God might be nudging you toward throughout this initiative. Over the past week, my wife Erin and I have been thinking and praying a lot about this. And last Monday, we hiked up Whipple Hill Hill here in Lexington. It's uh, the highest point in the town, which stands at a whopping 300 plus feet in elevation. Not quite a mountain. But it gives a great perspective over the landscape of where we live. I love to stand up here and pray for our church, our whole community, that this area would be transformed as very spiritually by what Christ is doing. And while we were there, we reflected back on some of the next steps that we took in our giving two years ago when we last did this initiative. There was so much up in the air about our lives then that committing more money to the church felt like a major risk. But we decided to step out in faith and try and increase our giving, which we have. And I can assure you to say, and I praise God to be able to say this, that there has never been a day, no matter how how hard some times have been, that God didn't provide for us. We never missed a meal. We never missed paying a bill on time. We have been surprised by his blessing and his generosity in more ways than we could have imagined. And so we praise him and give thanks for that. So with another significant opportunity like this to grow in our generosity being presented, it was just obvious to us that, yes, we need to take another step into more abundant giving. Even though the uncertainty of the future can make that prospect feel daunting, what we've been to discovering is this. Giving loosens the grip of fear. Giving loosens the grip of fear. Very paradoxically, it is not keeping our money that makes us feel more secure, but giving it to God is what does. Because as we give, we step out in an obedient faith. And that's where abundance really comes. And so many studies even go on to show, one well, of the best ways to de-stress your life is to bless and to give. Giving can actually de-stress your life. So giving loosens the grip of fear. So not only are we planning to increase our regular giving this year, but we honestly are really looking forward to being able to give above and beyond. How could we not wanna make a substantial go gift towards funding the improvements around here, our Lexington campus, to help get the Foxborough campus launched and to see a new building being built up in Wilmington? I wouldn't wanna miss the opportunity to be a part of contributing to this new thing that God is doing in and through our church to help bless our city. I hope you wouldn't wanna miss out either. And I've personally, speaking of Wilmington for a moment, I've loved going to serve up in that community when I've been given the chance. God's doing a great thing there. I've even told people that if I wasn't serving here as our Lexington campus pastor, that I would probably go and worship at our Lexington campus. That's a joke, but I was trying to mess with them. Yeah, I would still worship here anyways, but I love what God is doing up there nevertheless. He's doing a great thing. And I can only imagine what a witness it will be to the watching world, the hundreds of thousands of people that drive by that campus on I-93 to see a big, new, beautiful building being constructed so that more people could discover and know the love of Jesus. I just think that is amazing, and I wanna be a part of that. And so even though our Go gift might not seem to be as big as what we imagine other people's Go gifts being, and maybe yours isn't either, I believe that God does something greater than we can expect when we each do our part. He doesn't just add our gifts together. He multiplies them. He multiplies them. So how might you find your go by giving? At work, at home, and in and through Grace Chapel during this season. Well, as we close, I would love just to share one story that's really blessed me from a new member of our community, Juliette. And we'll listen about how she discovered her go. Let's turn our attention to the screens.
1: My name is Juliet Najumba. I'm a tourist guide, officially. I take tourists to Uganda, eco-tourism. I take people to see us before they go to the gorillas. They need to leave the country and enjoy the people and the animals and everything, but not just pass by and go. I have My two own children, and so many children. And I make them smile, and that makes me sleep so well every day. I believe that even if you don't have everything, you can be a light for somebody else. So I help these children who are mostly low-income families. I take the children out and try to make them part of the community. So that's how I came to Grace Chapel. There was an event called Winter Blast and I came here and I loved it so much and the kids loved it. I provide them programs that they wouldn't get anywhere for free. I take them places like the the way I came to. Grace Chapel there was Bouncy Castle. That's awesome. (laughs) Food for free. So that, that highlights the activities that are everywhere that they don't easily get to without paying. I get those kids and I make them get there. Their parents are normally running from one job to another job. They never take these kids. Kids are always in the house, sitting and watching TV and becoming obese. So I say now, I changed from my small car, I had a, a small Nissan Versa. I bought a van, a 15-seater. But this van has miracles. It's supposed to be a 15-seater. Sometimes it has more than 15 people. So. But we get places, not far away, but we reach places to make these kids active, museums, movies, and the kids who's, who've never been to a train, but because of my work. I take them at least three times a year to a train, and then, so movie, every movie where I can, I get some tickets, I take them out there. So I keep them active and I give them a light, I hope I give them a light, something like that. And Grace Chapel makes me smile because I feel also I'm given a light here. It makes me say, wow, I also can get a light myself. Many children don't go to church because their parents work like like all the time. So these kids stay home and they keep saying, Auntie Judy, can we go with you to church? Aunt Judy, can we go with you to church? And I say, why not? So I bring the kids with me on Sunday too. When I, when I try to say to them, Sunday is my day off, actually, officially. It never really works, but it's good to know that even when they come here, they get somebody else to kind of give them another laugh, which, and then I also get some love at the same time. So I think it's
0: awesome. Love that story. Well, if you're a Nissan driver out there, you better watch out. God might be calling you to go get a 15-passenger van. So how cool is that though, huh? Julie's story highlights both how your giving here at Grace touches the lives of so many at our campus, and it really exhibits how we can find our go. We come to receive the light of Christ here, and then we go to be a light to the world wherever we find ourselves. God doesn't give us his light so that we can just accumulate as much light as we possibly can. God gives us his light so that we can go and shine. A couple of verses after where we left off in Philippians, Paul goes on to challenge the church to this, to shine as lights in the world. And the way that we can shine is by following Christ's example of pouring out our lives, emptying ourselves, and living out our go by giving. And as we do that, we'll find a closer connection to God than we've ever had before. And that is what the abundant life is all about. And that's why we live abundantly as we give abundantly. And what, my friends, would you rather do than that? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time that we could just reflect deeply on the way that you have made for us to live abundantly. And it's by your sacrificial life and death for us, your resurrection power that's available to us. We thank you that, Lord, no matter what we might feel right now, that you have given us everything we need for this abundant life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help every one of us be inspired to have the courage to step out and give, to take a risk, whatever that might look like, and to find our go wherever we are as we listen to your voice and respond obediently. So fill us with your Holy Spirit's love and power and grace as we go so that the world might know that you indeed are God and you are king. And we love you and we give you all the praise now. And everyone said, in Jesus' name.